Hi, Vet Girl here today with Dr. Jessica Trichel. And today she's going to be talking to us about the top four things to consider before taking the plunge into practice ownership. So Jessica, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Happy to be here. So I don't actually own a practice, but I know there are a lot of people who always consider it and they may not consider it when they're in veterinary school because they have debt. But I was wondering if you could talk about the four things to consider before taking that plunge into practice ownership. What do we need to know? Absolutely. So one of the things that we highly consider is that looking at what is your motivation and really starting with why. Why do you want to own the practice? Because owning a business is so much more. So if you're going in it for purely financial reasons, that might not be just the best motivation because business is going to go up, it's going to go down, it's always a business cycle and it's going to take grit and grit is that passion and perseverance to want to be that entrepreneur and want to be that business owner. So understanding that getting into this position is really, you need to understand why you're doing it. And I, I'm very much a believer, I'm a big fan of Tim Ferriss, and one of his principles is lifestyle design and understanding what makes you happy and thinking about practice ownership the same way of, is this going to make me happy? What is it that is making me want to take this next step? You know, is it just the financial reasons or is it because I want to be a leader? I get to motivate the team. Do you like doing that? Do you like getting to set that standard of care? Because you do get the freedom of managing the medicine, which I think is a lot of what people consider when looking at practice ownership. But you also have to deal with balancing, you know, managing people as well as the business management, not just getting to kind of have free reign over the understanding of what how to manage all of the medicine within the practice. So taking that into consideration and saying, do, do I like all of these other facets and am I going to enjoy that? Is it going to be something I'm passionate about and want to persevere on even when it doesn't feel good or even when things are down? Because the one thing we hear over and over and over again is the biggest surprise is just learning to deal with people, uh, not just the clients now, but suddenly the whole team is now under you and you are the top of the food chain. And so when they have questions or conflicts, that's up to you to decide. And so are you prepared and do you want to be that person that's having to be the conflict resolution as well as one of the things to consider is also a lot of intergenerational conflicts starting to arise, you know, as we have millennials coming into the workforce as well as wanting to be that practice owner and you might be leading people who are in the baby boomer generation and are you prepared and do you want to be able to be that leader and step up for your practice another thing to consider relative to the motivation is do you like recruiting and training people and mentoring people because again you're the top of the food chain you're going to be the one setting that example uh, depending on the size of your practice to be doing that when you think back to a lot of the practices we all worked in at different points you know that practice owner they are the ultimate leader of the practice and so do you want to fill those shoes because taking on the responsibility of practice ownership there are so many amazing benefits and um, and a lot of people definitely they may have gotten a little bored with just doing the medicine every day and so this is that kind of next step to get to be that management to get to think about other things other than the medicine and how can we be more efficient how can we motivate the team and that really drives and fuels them and so if you are really starting to feel that motivation within you and not just well i want to be in control and set the standard of care 
those other desires are really what's going to make the difference between a good practice owner and a great practice owner. So the second thing to consider is what is your lifestyle? Because again, stepping into being a business owner, there's going to be a lot more obligations than what you've been used to as um, just being the employee. And so one of the things to look at is personally, what are your debt and what are, what are your obligations as far as your debt and what is your spending habits uh, within your household? Because it's really interesting when we look at buying a practice, the source of income changes, right? When you're buying a house, for instance, they're looking at your tax returns because they're seeing the source of income that is going to repay the debt versus with this new practice, what we as a bank would be looking at is we're looking, how is this practice that you're buying, that you're taking out the debt for, going to be able to support your lifestyle? And obviously, student debt comes up over and over and over again. And it is not a hindrance to buying practice. Now, it might affect what size practice you can buy. And it's really kind of a counterintuitive thing to look at when we look at home for these types of practices because you might come to us and say, well, I got this, you know, one doc, small practice, $500,000 kind of small practice and seems what we call, you know, quote, cheaper. But based on the profitability of that business, you might not approve you for a loan. But then you come back to us with a $1.5 million practice, significantly more expensive and looks like a much bigger loan, but the profitability of that business because of the cash flow it's supporting can support your lifestyle much better than perhaps that $500,000 practice. So it's very counterintuitive, especially because a lot of times we think of loans similar to kind of the house realm or the car realm. Of, you know, the size is really important. But really, the profitability of that business and how it supports your lifestyle is really what makes the difference. So the more you can, you know, live a reasonable lifestyle and not be buying the beach houses and the Lamborghinis, those sorts of things, which obviously is not a huge thing within veterinary medicine, but looking at you might be able to get into that practice that's a little bit of a diamond in the rough because you're living a, a more modest lifestyle to be able to get that. So looking at your debts and obligations, because that's definitely one of the things we're going to be looking at. Another consideration with your lifestyle is, again, it goes back to this being the business owner. Is your lifestyle set up for the time it's going to take? Because it is a 24-7 job. It never, it never turns off when you hear about people that take on uh, being a practice owner. They start to think about it and they're like, you, you're, it's like your baby. You're thinking about it on the weekends, on your days off, because it's ultimately up to you to keep this business running. And so, you know, have you been, accustomed to that associate lifestyle and perhaps taking only working you know four days a week and having those three-day weekends to be able to go uh, off and travel and do stuff and is that a part of your lifestyle that you love and, and aren't willing to get give up because again being in that practice ownership you're going to have to especially for the first few years really get in there dig your heels in and and make a good transition so that those clients trust you that that team trusts you and so understanding your lifestyle uh, throughout that. And another piece is, is looking at your lifestyle, is understanding, you know, when we start to look at uh, salaries versus what you would be making as a practice owner and things, is considering understanding that practice ownership is not just buying a job. And uh, we've seen instances where people are like, well, you know, I'm uh, this particular person was a specialist and they were looking at what they would be making only in the practice versus what they're getting as an associate, as a, a specialist associate. And they're like, well, 
I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty comfortable. I don't, I don't get why I would take, it was, it was actually a little bit of a pay cut that we were like looking at it and we're saying, well, look at what you're investing in. Every time that business makes a payment to pay back the loan that you've got to buy this business, that's your personal equity building. And so as this business runs and becomes a valuable asset, you are investing in yourself and your personal net worth by owning this business. So it's not just about the cash flow and the salary that comes in. It's also about what you're investing in. And, and also this business allows you to own real estate and get really great loans with minimal cash down to be able to buy significantly valuable real estate and on the back end what are you going to be able to do with that and so looking at it not just from the job opportunity not just from um, the career path but also as an investment for your lifestyle and for your family what is the end game perhaps practice ownership isn't your forever and always want to do it forever but it might be a means to an end of say you know well let's do it for 10 years let's build and grow this business and then eventually if we want to do something else we can you can always turn around and sell that business so understanding it's it's more than just a job it is an investment and treating it you know as both and, and really thinking about it from your family's perspective and your, your household perspective like that so those are some things to consider around your lifestyle the third point to consider would be do you have a support team in place because Practice ownership doesn't happen in a vacuum. And there's so much, especially as the world is growing and getting more complex, that we need to be able to think about and have people who are professionals who think about this every day to be able to support you and build and grow and nurture this business so you can grow it and create that value and that equity in this business. And I, I particularly like to think of the support team in two different rounds, you know, because there's the getting into ownership team that you're going to need to get and then the support team of once you're in ownership who's going to be able to support you in that ongoing growth and in that first round one of the things to think about is how are you going to get into ownership who are the people you need to get you there so people that you might consider would be a broker and a broker whether you're, you know in, in general a broker is somebody who matches a buyer and a seller in veterinary medicine we have veterinary practice brokers and that's their job typically they're going to be representing the the seller but it's a great place to go if you don't know where to find practices for sale to go to the websites and find you know what's for sale in my area and they can potentially get you know get you connected with those sellers that are, are wanting to um, have a succession plan for their practice and then you can also engage a broker to go on the hunt for you to find that practice and identify that practice. You can engage them on your side. In, in veterinary medicine, they do act uh, as consultants as well. They have a robust knowledge as well as doing some evaluations and appraisals. So they have a great understanding of what's going on within the marketplace if you don't know. Obviously, if you have, if you're in the practice as an associate and they're wanting to sell, that's a great way to identify as well as just doing some Google searching, you know, looking around who's been in practice ownership and, and using your local network of people and talking to people who might be starting to consider selling in the next, you know, five, 10 years so that they can, you can start having those conversations of, all right, have you had this business appraised and is it worth what you think it's worth so that we can go ahead and have these conversations because they might be ready to get out, get that appraisal done and it not be worth what they thought it was. And now they got to spend the next 
three years cleaning up their books to show the value of that business. So identifying them early and having those early conversations and saying, you know, do you have a succession plan in place? And then working together to build one that works both for you and the seller. Also looking at CPAs, somebody to help you set up your books as well as give you um, financial advice on the front end of saying, you know, is this a good investment? Am I going to get a return on this investment? Not just buy the job that I want. And especially a veterinary specific CPA who understands the business and can really act in some ways as a consultant as well, not just um, being your accountant. And then if you're looking for third party financing, a banker and being able to get, if you're not just doing the kind of old way of owner financing for transitioning that that practice, having a bank involved to provide that third party financing for you to have that loan to be able to take over ownership so that seller can have that liquidity event and go on into to retirement or whatever their plans may be. And then also you're going to need an attorney. And this is not your cousin's best friend from third grade who happens to be a lawyer attorney. This is what you're looking for here is somebody who's a business transactional attorney. Similar to in veterinary medicine, how we tend to have, we're looking at you know, small animal medicine versus large animal medicine and kind of in school, we tend to focus on those things. Lawyers also during school, some of them are focused on litigation and some of them are focused on transactional. And so that's what you're looking for in an attorney. And there are a number that do specifically, this is all they focus on is veterinary practice transactions. And so there's some great advice out there relative to getting an attorney who's going to come up with the documents that you're going to need to be able to close this deal and make that transaction happen. So a couple of the people to get you into ownership. And then along the way, having a mentor, having somebody that you can rely on that when you have those questions, you can call and ask. And, and you might have a, a plethora of <laughs> mentors depending on the subject area. And some of them might not own a veterinary hospital. They just might have owned a small business. Don't discount you know, other people's business experience outside of veterinary medicine because at the end of the day, it is a small business and you can learn so much from other people who have run different types of small businesses. So having, you know, those people that you can call and talk to, obviously having somebody that's run a veterinary practice before, having their cell phone number and being able to call and ask those tough questions too is definitely a great thing. As well as making sure that your family is on board, you know, that your household is supporting you in this endeavor because it is going to take a lot of time and it's going to be a different change of lifestyle than what you're used to and making sure that your whole team is ready for this transition and wanting wanting to be on board and that it supports that. So having them, because again, it's a business, it's going to go up, it's going to go down as far as the cycle. So having that team in place really can give you comfort in that. And then getting your employees on board, right? And having those key employees who are going to help make your life as a practice owner so much easier, especially depending on the size of this business. So having a practice manager you can trust if you're in that large of a business or just those key technicians who are going to take some of those duties and those delegations of scheduling all the other technicians or inventory management that you can trust, trust but verify with those employees because delegation is a key to being really good at this. Um, a lot of times we see people in trouble because they're trying to micromanage and they just don't have enough time and they're starting to drop balls. So building a good support team training those people that you can train and, and investing in them so that they have the skills needed to be able to do their job effectively and, and help you and the practice succeed. So the fourth thing, and I think this is definitely one of the more important points, is are you prepared to take on the business management? 
because this is definitely the piece that we see that's been missing in a lot of the practice owners because it's just it's simply not anywhere along the path to becoming a veterinarian um, even from high school taking those science classes into college there's really no management required to be able to get into veterinary school and then in veterinary school there's minimal training along the way and so gaining as much knowledge as you can before is going to really prepare you well especially half the battle is simply learning the vocabulary learning the language and learning to speak this language of business management so that when it does come into reality and starting to come into play you're not having to go well, wait, wait what what is EBITDA I don't understand what does that mean you have that understanding you have that baseline knowledge to be able to really start to get in there and synthesize okay well here's what it means in my practice here's what it is and how do I you know just like a soap, you know, what is your subjective objective assessment and plan to be able to understand your practice at financial? Because you're going to be managing those income and expenses, which results in your cash flow. You're going to need to understand the inventory management because that is one of those expenses. It's one of the expenses that you can control and really affect cash flow because veterinary medicine is what we call fixed expense business. That primarily a lot of the expenses we have are not related to volume. For instance, or we also finance pharmacies. When we look at what their cost of goods are versus a veterinarian, it's completely opposite because they're primary, primarily in a retail business. And so theirs very much, their primary expense fluctuates with their volume. Whereas ours, you know, our rent, um, having that radiology machine and our people, those are all fixed expenses. And so understanding how that works and understanding which pieces of that profit and loss statement you as a business owner are in control of and your management style directly affects. And so particularly the inventory translating into cost of goods is one of those things. Another thing, understanding of how you set your fees. And how that works with your practice management software and understanding the best ways to go around setting fees and shopped prices versus not shopped prices and, and really understanding those things. As well as just kind of the behind the scenes, what's happening with paying the bills and understanding the different banking products that are out there, especially available to businesses. And then really starting to understand the growth and marketing. You know, we as veterinarians historically did not have to compete nearly as much as we do today as far as marketing and getting out there and getting people to understand the value we provide. And so what is your plan relative to that? Do you understand how it works? What are you seeing out in the marketplace that really does affect pet owners? Because we get stuck in our, our veterinary bubble of what we think works versus um, I'm kind of fortunate to get to work in a, a lay environment and to hear what other people say about veterinarians and, and really stepping outside of that veterinary bubble to hear what, what does the average person say? What does the average pet owner understand about what we do and how do they interpret it? And what marketing would work and how am I going to grow this business relative to the, the demographic that I am serving? So those are some things relative to the, the financial management, but also when you're taking on the business management, there's a lot of responsibility from the legal and protection aspect. Um, you have a lot of re many responsibilities in that regard because your clients have rights, your employees have rights, you have privacy laws, all these things that you're having to manage and make sure that you're protecting the business from that you're not missing outside of the law, as well as the standard of care. Um, those are all things that you ultimately are on the hook for and there's a lot of laws protecting those so and you can't completely 
outsource that. So you, you need to have an understanding of where is the line and, and not be in ignorance of that. So as much of that you can do before getting an understanding of more all of this all of this is not meant to scare anyone. It is meant to say, you know what, I understand what I'm getting into. I'm self-reflecting and saying, is this right for me? And going into it eyes wide open. Um, because it is big responsibility you're taking on this business you're taking on responsibility of all the other employees and that practices livelihoods and so the decisions you make affect that and like the spider-man movie with great power comes great responsibility but it can be an incredibly rewarding responsibility it can give you um, the outlet to get to do things beyond veterinary medicine you can grow the business you can create something that is valuable you can create an asset that is valuable for your family as an investment all of those things because time and time again we see that people doing good medicine turns into a good business and that turns into a good lifestyle for those veterinarians who are the practice owners so um, there is an amazing number of success stories. You know, you tend to hear the ones that went bad, but we're just going to take the lessons that we learned from that. There's, for every one of those, there's so many more that are doing successful things and being very successful veterinary practice owners. And so anyone who is looking to take that plunge, um, again, understand your motivation, look at, look at your lifestyle, start building a support team and getting as much business management knowledge as you can so that when that right opportunity comes along, you can step in and be an unbelievably successful practice owner. Fantastic information. I know so many people are just super nervous about it. And I think you bring up some great points that I even experienced with starting you know, a small business with Vet Girl was you definitely need a good support team, whether or not that's your spouse or partner. But I always joke that veterinarians in general are very cheap and or very frugal. <laughs> and it's so important that you make sure that you have a great lawyer, a great accountant, a great practice manager. And you know, my general philosophy is you have to pay to play, like you need to invest in things like that. What are some of your favorite when people ask you, what are some of your favorite places to recommend getting practice management courses or training? Because, you know, most of us don't have any of that experience in veterinary school. Absolutely. Well, the good news is that it's becoming a hot topic within the profession. And so many of the big um, CE conferences or even some of the smaller conferences are really starting to recognize that the profession is looking for practice management tips and most of the conferences you go to these days are going to have a practice management track. And so a lot of the consultants and that are within the profession, as well as those industry support people, for instance, like um, our bank or the brokers or any of those, we tend to be in those practice management tracks um, speaking on these topics because by kind of the nature of it, we are the, the experts in it because we're doing it all day, every day. And so there's a lot of information from the referral sources that we all look for that are these kind of industry support teams that are delivering a lot of that content because it's their job day in and day out and so they really have the expertise to be able to contribute mm -hmm. to that conversation and, and give great advice from just the sheer numbers of uh, transactions that they've done with um, changing practices changing hands. Thank you so much. Great information on if we're considering starting our own practice. So thank you again.